Welcome, I'm Sirius Afshar, and this is the Wigos Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. In this monthly podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to the linkages between the informal economy and social protection, including debates around workers' health provision, pension schemes for older workers, as well as childcare systems and other social protection policies for informal workers in order to improve their livelihoods. Violence and harassment at the workplace affect many workers all over the world, especially women. It is such a pervasive phenomenon that it was included in the agenda of the next International Labour Conference, which will take place in the coming days in Geneva, where the issue will be up for a second round of discussions with a view to the adoption of an ILO convention. It is important to bear in mind that violence and harassment at the workplace also affect in distinct ways many workers, men and women, formal and informal workers. To help us understand more about the implications of this issue for domestic workers and the intersectionality between gender and work status and the role of social protection in addressing this problem, we invite Adriana Paz. Adriana is originally from Bolivia and she has worked as community organizer, women's rights and migrant rights for community-based and non-profit organizations in Bolivia, Mexico and Canada. She is currently the Latin America Regional Coordinator of the International Domestic Workers Federation, IDWF. Adriana, welcome to the Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. Thank you, Sirius. First of all, could you tell us a bit more about the International Domestic Workers Federation? What is that you do? Since when? How many countries do you have a presence? Sure. The International Domestic Workers Federation, it was founded in 2013 in Uruguay in the first Congress. However, the Federation it previously existed as an international network since 10 or more years ago. So after the creation of the Convention C1A9 on Decent Work for Domestic Workers, the international network at that time, they saw as a natural step in strengthening the network to become a global federation, to have more power to do advocacy, to support new domestic workers union, and to really take on the ratification and the implementation of decent work for domestic workers around the world. Since then, the International Domestic Workers Federation, ITWF, has grown, and today we have 69 affiliated organizations, meaning domestic workers unions, cooperative or associations, in 59 countries with more than 600,000 individual members. We have members and affiliates in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, in Latin America, in North America, and in the Caribbean. And we are working in a grassroots base in the Middle East and North Africa because due to the legal restrictions in this region, uh, domestic workers are not allowed to unionize. However, that doesn't mean that they are not organizing on the ground. From your experience with domestic workers, how pervasive is the issue of violence and harassment at the workplace? Uh, what is particular about the violence suffered by domestic workers? 
Unfortunately, violence at the workplace, it's a daily reality for most of the domestic workers. In Latin America, eight out of 10 workers, they report to have suffered some kind of violence, either sexual violence, emotional, economic, or physical violence. There is uh, many, many reasons that make domestic workers to be more at risk of violence at the workplace they present a high degree of exposure to violence and harassment. First of all, because there are very asymmetrical power relations between domestic workers and employers, there are asymmetrical power relations in, in almost any employer-employee relationship. However, with this sector, it's very different because we have the intersections of gender, race, and uh, economic status that intersect in the identity of the domestic workers. And the fact that they work in isolation behind closed doors makes them even more vulnerable but also because, in general, there is an undervaluation and low recognition of the occupation. There is insufficient organizational level, meaning that we need to strengthen the uh, domestic workers' unions and associations, because even though the, the International Domestic Workers Federation has achieved a lot, still the union density of domestic workers around the world is quite low. There is only 1.5% of the domestic workers belong to a union. So still there is a huge challenge and having a strong organizations will protect and empower workers more. Last but not least, there is insufficient effective legal protections at the global level and national levels as well. So the combination of all these factors makes that domestic workers are more vulnerable to violence at work. How does the fight for the inclusion of domestic workers in social protection schemes linked to the theme of harassment and violence at the workplace. The fact that domestic workers uh, do not have legal protections and social protections and labor protections under employment standards, national employment standards, that it's linked to a kind of economic violence, a kind of a social violence that then it translates into these power dynamics that you can call them violence at work. But also the gender-based violence is linked to uh, gender inequality and social injustice. So for domestic workers fighting to get legal recognition under the labor laws and to be treated same as any other sector, this is a fight to really reclaim this dignity, to reclaim this status of workers and to make a domestic work to be valuable and to be visible and to be considered as any other work. We don't have to forget that domestic work really comes from the legacies of slavery, especially in countries where there is a big Afro-descendant population. And because of the colonial histories of many countries, like for example, in Brazil, in Colombia, in the US, the women that used to work in the houses were black women taking care of the domestic work in the houses. And once slavery was abolished, then you have these women that keep in the domestic work area, but with their work not being valuable. So the fight for social protections, it's very linked to the fight to eliminate domestic violence at work. If you do not have recognition and protection from the society and from the legal point of view, then that means that you are going to be forever vulnerable to exploitation and violence. 
One of the resolutions of IDWF last year's Congress determined that the eradication of gender-based violence would be one of the goals for the program of action in the next five years. What does that entail? In very general terms, what kind of actions do you plan to undertake? Well, When we have a resolution in the Congress, and if the Congress, which is the maximum body of decision-making, which is comprised by all our delegates around the world, then that means that we have to implement this resolution. Gender-based violence has been a resolution put forward from all the regions, and that speaks to the pervasive reality that all of them live but also to the pervasive reality of the unions. They tell us that on an everyday basis, uh, domestic workers approach to their unions or associations and offices seeking support, advice, and to take consolation in many of the experiences that they suffer. So for IDWF, this means that we have to engage with the work that it's been done on the ground already to empower domestic workers to understand the concepts and to empower them in a political and technical way so they can leverage their grassroots work to take it into public campaigns, into advocacy, legal advocacy and political advocacy for them to advocate and to speak and articulate the issues that they need. We have experience advocating for the ratification and the implementation of C1A9. Our affiliates and domestic workers are highly skillful. However, the challenges remain colossal, uh, very strong. And because, as I said, it is not only a matter of absence of legal protections, but it is a matter of shifting a culture that is based and rooted in patriarchy and rooted in uh, economic exploitation. So for them, one thing is to change the laws, which is not a small task, but the other thing is to really make the implementation, the monitoring of these laws to make it a reality. This entails cultural shift. This is why we need wide range of alliances from different sectors, from the labor movement, women's movement. And this is why this year, similar to last year, we are going to ILC negotiations, the International Labor Conference in Geneva, where a new convention on violence and harassment to prevent and to stop violence and harassment in the world of work is taking place. To which extent the international labor regulations can protect domestic workers against gender-based violence at the workplace? Well, um, we have to remember that the ILO doesn't have a jurisdictional power in the countries, right? But if country ratifies an international convention, it has the obligation to implement However, if they are not implementing, the ILO can only tell them a reminder that they have to implement. Um, in that sense, what I'm saying basically is that the fight is still is at the local level. The fight is still on the hands of the sectors. And however, having an international legal protection that your country has ratified, it gives you the necessary tools to keep fighting and advocating. However, a convention in itself is not sufficient. 
So it only gives you legitimacy to articulate your demands and your struggle. However, it's still the case in many countries in Latin America, for example, that have ratified Convention C1A9. We have 16 countries that have ratified Convention C1A9, where the region with most ratifications around the world. However, the implementation is still a challenge for domestic workers' union. Like we said, the struggle never ends. However, it was a huge step and a victory for the movement in itself to have an international legal recognition that says that domestic work is work and it should be regarded with respect and dignity. Uh, in very broad terms, what kind of measures should governments implement in order to be more effective in protecting domestic workers? And more specifically, what kind of social protection rights can better address to this issue? In order to implement a convention, let's say Convention C1A9, um, the governments first have to engage with the sectors that are most impacted on the issues. In the case of C1A9, the convention, it explicitly says that the governments have to consult and take measures and figure it out a route, a roadmap for implementation along with the domestic workers sectors, along with the unions. So this means what the ILO calls a social dialogue because the experts on the ground are the workers themselves. They are the ones that can define and identify which are the most important priorities to be addressed in order to rearrange national legislation to make it equitable, and parallel to what the convention explicitly says. So in different countries, there are different challenges. In some countries, we have some good legal labor laws that already offer social protections for domestic workers. However, these systems are not perfect. In many of the cases, these systems are voluntary systems for, for a social protection, meaning that the workers and the employers, if they want, they can contribute. In other countries, the social protection programs are mandatory. This means that workers and employers must contribute to the protection program, and these are the ones that are more effective ones. When we're talking about rights, we cannot leave it up to the goodwill or the mercy of a good employer or a bad employer. We really have to enforce. So this is very clear for domestic workers, and this is why they always advocate to make these programs, mandatory programs that make them recipients and beneficiaries of the protections that all the other workers enjoy at the moment. However, domestic workers for them is still a fight, but we have good progress in different countries especially in Latin America, I think we have good legal frameworks, but one thing is what is written in the paper and the other thing is what it's in the practice. And to really make this a reality, I come back to the necessity to strengthen the unions, to strengthen the collective power and the worker power on the ground to make this happen. The International Labor Conference is about to start in Geneva, and the IDWF is going to send some delegates to the event. What is IDWF's goal there? What do you plan to achieve as an organization? 
What, yes, we are bringing 25 domestic workers leaders from Asia, Latin America, North America, Africa, and Europe. What we want to achieve in the ILO is to really ensure that the domestic workers' voices and experiences are going to be heard because it is not very often that you have domestic workers or workers themselves to be speaking for themselves in uh, the international big house of labor as the ILO. And we want to highlight that the violence that is experienced by domestic workers as uh, workers in the informal economy are not usually visibilized and are not prevalent in the labor legislations in the national countries. So we were bringing different cases, examples, and bringing the activities and programs that the domestic workers are doing on the ground by themselves, but how these initiatives coming from the sectors need to be recognized and need to be supported by an international convention. Also, we're going to celebrate June 16 in Geneva, which is International Domestic Workers Day, because it's the day when the convention C-189 was created eight years ago. So we are organizing ourselves to have an action to remind the governments and employers that eight years ago, they created Convention C-189 that was crucial for our sectors to to get power and, and to strengthen their level of organizations and why this time we need them to approve a convention to stop violence and harassment in the world of work because our sector is one of the most affected ones along with other informal workers. Well, to conclude our talk, um, could you tell us uh, where can we learn more about uh, IDWF and the domestic workers' struggle for better work conditions? You can go to our social media outlets, our website. You have uh, the website in more than 20 languages. Um, we have a system that allows you to read in all these different languages because our members are from around the world. So, and uh, of course, our Facebook page, which is also the WF, our Twitter account. Our Twitter account is uh, fitted constantly by uh, all the domestic workers leaders around the world. They are very active in social media, so you have real live updates on what each one of the unions around the world are doing. And uh, for sure, we're going to be tweeting a lot and reporting all the tripartite negotiations and the advocacy work that our leaders are going to be doing in Geneva. Adriana Paz, thank you very much, and I hope you have a very good conference. Thank you very much to you, Sirius. If you want to learn more about the topic of informal workers and gender-based violence at the workplace, we are going to leave some links at the description of this episode, including briefing notes, uh, blog posts, uh, links to the ILO conference. We are going to have version in Spanish of this same conversation we have with Adriana, so please share with your Spanish-speaking friends interested in domestic workers, social protection, and gender-based violence. I am Sirius Afshar and this was the Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. Mm-hmm.